Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. All right, all right. Good morning, Grace Avenue Church family. Church, are y'all doing okay? All right, we've been having fun here. Welcome to our church online family who are at home or on a different screen somewhere, somewhere in the U.S., somewhere at home. Can we give them a hand this morning? Welcome them. Great to be with you. Hey, uh, welcome to our first service. I'm starting a new series today called Build Again, Build Together. Everybody say build. Build again, build together. Now, many of you would probably uh, be fans of, of Marvel movies, Star Wars movies, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, John Wick. I could just keep going. <laughs> All the violent people were like, yes, John Wick, yes. <laughs> Our savior. Okay, and those are all epic sagas that have all these interwoven characters and, and, and different, you know, uh, plot twists and different parts of different stories. And if you were to just watch one of those movies, like if I were to just throw it on and you've never seen a Star Wars movie before, and I just throw one of them on, you would only catch a piece of the story. You wouldn't catch the entire saga. You wouldn't understand the entirety of the whole backstory and where it's going and where it could go and where it might go, where it came from and, and a long time in a galaxy far, far away. You wouldn't understand all that because you'd just be watching one part of the story. Okay, you'd have a, a, an incomplete understanding of the whole story that's being told. Okay, often people's Bible knowledge and their Christianity is very much the same way. They've got a small part, a limited understanding of their place in God's story. Notice I said their place in God's story, not God's place in our story. Because as Americans, that's how we think. When's God going to get on with my life? When's gonna God, how's God going to show me and lead me and, and give me and build me and advance me and promote me and make me successful? Because I'm an American. And as an American, I have rights, and I'm entitled to things. If you don't make my coffee right, I'll take it back to the counter, and it will be done right. And I will leave you a review to let you know you could have done better. Like, that's kind of how we are as Americans. That's our vibe, unfortunately. In, maybe not with coffee, but in some area of our life as Americans, we're kind of like that. We have one piece of the story and we're asking God to get on with that piece of the story in our life. Well, if we think about it, your life is very much a part of a bigger film series and a bigger story that God is writing. And the, and the Bible is very much like a multi-points story, multi-movie story. Different characters, different people, heroes, villains, good kings, evil kings, uh, somebodies, nobodies, people raised up from anywhere and everywhere, histories, lineages, plot twists, all kinds of stuff in Scripture give us a full understanding of, of the bigger picture and the bigger story that God is writing that we get adopted into, that we get brought into. Are you with me so far? Okay, well, today we're going to be reading from a couple of books, the book of Haggai and the book of Ezra. These are Old Testament books. In fact, if you try and find Haggai, you, you, you might miss it because it's only a couple of pages. It's only two chapters. 
Um, and we're going to be reading because I want us to understand more of the backstory of where we fit into God's story. Fair enough? Okay, now um, let me give you uh, just a, a little precursor here. Some of you might be asking why. Why do we need to know, um, you know, 2,500 years ago, over 2,000 years ago, even before Jesus came into the picture, why do we need to know this? And I'll just, I'll just kind of say like this. If you can learn something from Dumbledore and Obi-Wan and Iron Man and John Wick, you can learn something from Haggai. Fair enough? All right, cool. Book of Haggai. Let me start here. Late last year, uh, around September, October, I started praying just about where God was leading us uh, through all of COVID, where we were as a church, what's going on. We still hadn't started gathering yet. We didn't even know when the start date was. We were uh, exiting our old location. We had just signed on this location, but it was totally not even renovated yet. It was, it was a mess, and there was so much work to do. We didn't know the timeline and when it was going to be done, and we were kind of in a holding pattern of, okay, God, uh, what is next? What's next for me? What's next for our church? What's next for our people? When do we gather? Will we gather? What's going to happen? What's going on with the country? Remember, late, about six months ago, it was, it was pretty confusing. You know, we're starting to come out of the woods now, but six months ago, I didn't know what was next. So I was asking God, okay, what's going on? Spent a couple of days away praying as I was praying, praying for Grace Avenue, praying for you, praying for your future, praying for where we are as a church. God took me to the book of Haggai. Started reading this book, and I felt like I'm supposed to bring this message to our church. The question was, when? When am I supposed to do that? I didn't feel it was a message we should enter right into and just start preaching the moment I, we, we, we start. So that's why I preached this five-week series on purpose, to kind of to get us up to this place. But it wasn't time in November. I didn't want to do it online. It wasn't time in December. We'd just come back. It was Christmas time. I didn't want to start the year off that way. It wasn't really time, and so now's the time. And I believe that this message, and specifically this series, is a prophetic stepping stone into the next season for our church. And more importantly, for as a catalyst for your life and what God has called you to build, what he's put you on this earth to do. Fair enough? No pressure, but it's kind of important. Been holding on to it for a while. Um, let me give you a chart here. Uh, as you can tell with this chart that I'm going to show you, uh, this high-tech, super amazing chart was made at 7 this morning uh, on pages uh, by yours truly. Uh, but I wanted to give you some history because if I start naming off names, like if you've never seen Star Wars and I start naming off Obi-Wan and Darth Vader and Skywalker, you know, you've never seen it, you don't know who I'm talking about or where it all fits in. And I don't want to start rattling off names and you not have an understanding uh, where we are. So I'm going to go full Bible teacher today or want to be full scholar Bible teacher today and just give you a little history here. Okay. So 40 years in the desert. Let's go back before Haggai. We're going to go even further back. Anybody know Moses? Moses, Red Sea, right? Leads the people through the wilderness. The people are stubborn. They die off. Joshua assumes command. Joshua takes over for Moses. And then uh, they enter into the promised land. That's what Canaan is. Canaan was the promised land. God had promised the people. They step into that. They live there for a while, lost the generation of their sons and daughters because they focused only on themselves. They got the promise from God, but they didn't teach their kids about God, and so everything started over again. Remember that, okay? Next, they go into Babylon. In the book of Daniel, chapter 9, Daniel actually prophesies that God's people are going to be put into exile. You can find this in Daniel 9, right? So 
They go into Babylon for 70 years. This is 70 years in Babylonian captivity. This is known as the Babylonian exile, the Babylonian captivity historically. So we understand that when God's people were, were moving, there were starts and stops all along the way up to the point where they get ex- exiled in Babylon for 70 years. Okay? Then around this time, 538 BC, it's an important date, there's a man named uh, Haggai that comes into the picture. Actually, he's a little bit after that, but let me, let me give you the, uh, the story on him. Haggai is this prophet who is actually in the city of Jerusalem now. They're, they're back in Jerusalem. So let me start here. A guy named Cyrus is a king right here at the end of this Babylonian captivity, and he basically tells the people of God, you know what? You can go. You can go back to your land. We're going we're gonna to release you from captivity and from exile. Go and do what you want to do. Go rebuild your temple. Go worship God. Go do what God has called you to do. Live among your people. Build your familiarity. Do what you do. Be who you're called to be, right? So he releases him. This is a foreign king. This is not a godly king. This is a foreign king who they find favor with, and he releases them to go into Jerusalem. Then you have a guy named Zerubbabel. If you can say, if you can say Dumbledore, you can say Zerubbabel. Everybody say Zerubbabel. Okay. Zerubbabel comes in, and him and another guy named Joshua, who's a high priest. Okay, Zerubbabel's a governor. And Zerubbabel and Joshua start taking the people of God who've come out of exile, and he starts, they start leading them towards building the thing that is important to God. They start building the temple, reestablishing worship, putting their lives in order, building that familiarity amongst them as God's community, as God's people. Then we enter Haggai. See down here at the bottom of the screen. <clears throat> Around 520 B.C., Okay, B.C., this is not before COVID, this is before Christ. 520, Haggai comes in, okay? Haggai's a prophet, okay? There's, no, there's not a lot of history on this guy. We don't know a lot about him. All we know is that he comes into the picture, and he enters in as a voice for God's people. This is what prophets do. They come in, and they give direction to God's people. Haggai comes in, 520, and he starts speaking to Zerubbabel and to Joshua and to the people and starts encouraging them. Now, now here's what happens. Haggai comes in, but it's been 18 years since the people actually got back to Jerusalem, since King Cyrus released them. Since they were in a place where they were now free from the captivity, free from the exile, free from the bondage, they were able to really just go and run. Like 18 years ago, what happened 18 years ago? What year are we at? I mean, this would have been early 2000s. That's a long time. That's a long time, right? Some of you were still listening to Puff Daddy in 2002. Like, that's a long time. He was still Puff Daddy. Has he changed his name yet at that time? I don't know. There's another mystery to be unsolved and the purpose of God for your life. So Haggai comes in at this time, and God sends him as the voice of the Lord to his people. I want you to look at what he's doing. Zerubbabel's called by God. Joshua's called by God as a high priest. They're moving forward to do the thing God has called them to do. And God sends confirmation and affirmation and direction and guidance and encouragement through a guy named Haggai. Haggai comes in to basically support the work that's being done. Haggai comes in. He delivers four prophetic messages in these two chapters. Four messages. It's very clear. Bam. Work starts, bam, another one, and then two on the same day. It even dates them. This is, this is historical Christianity. This is part of our story. This is part of the Bible. This is part of our history. 
And Haggai basically calls the people to a reappraisal of their purpose, their perspective, and most importantly, to their priorities. Okay? Because it's been 18 years. God called his people to rebuild. So what happens is historically, people would start rebuilding and then stop. They would start rebuilding and then stop. They started under Zerubbabel and they stopped. They started under Ezra and then they stopped. They started under Nehemiah and they stopped. Remember Nehemiah? I've taught on this before. Nehemiah was building the wall, right? So there was, there was Nehemiah, Zerubbabel building the temple, Ezra building the people, and Nehemiah building the city and the walls. Okay, so, so this is important because it shows us something. All the starts and stops that people have in their lives, does that, rec- does that bring to mind anybody that you might know? When you look in the mirror, <laughs> start something for God and stop it. Start promises to God and stop them. Come on, we, we've all been there. This is part of the human nature. And here's what Haggai is. Haggai comes in as, as a reinforcement and an encouragement, a prophetic strength to the people that are trying to do the will of God and the purpose of God. This is what a prophetic voice will do in your life. It'll come in and it'll firm and strengthen and help support the thing God has called you to do, the thing God has called you to build. Now, that's a very short summary. I'm just going to go to Scripture now. Uh, Haggai chapter 1. In the second year of King Darius, okay, it was King Cyrus before, now King Darius is over this. On the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest. And this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not come to rebuild the Lord's house. The time's not yet come. That's what they say. The time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Now think about this. The whole reason they came out of exile was to come back and build the Lord's house. That's why the foreign king actually released them and said, go build the temple. Some kings, even like with Nehemiah, there's there's Nehemiah down here at the end of the chart earlier. Nehemiah was actually given provisions by a foreign king, money, servants, materials to go and do the thing. He found favor with a foreign king who didn't even worship his God, yet this man was used by God to support the thing of God. That means God can use people who aren't even saved to be the very blessing he's called to be in your life, to build the thing he's called you to build. They may not always be in church. But here's their attitude. It's not, time to, it's not time to build. It's not yet time. I mean, we just came out of exile. It's not yet time. And then here's what God says through Haggai, verse 3. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your own paneled houses while this house remains in ruins, while this city remains in ruins? Now, what is a paneled house? And, and, and let me give you just a little, a little history there. The paneled houses described in this verse basically probably had walls and ceilings that were lined with cedar wood, which would have been really expensive, had all kinds of intricate woodwork and carvings, and, and it just would have looked really nice. So basically, they would have come out of their house to see the temple of God in shambles, broken down, but they keep going in every day to their nice flat screens in the garage, and their man caves with all their toys. Are you with me? 
Okay? He says, is this time for you yourselves to be living? This is God speaking. Is it time for you to be living in your paneled houses while my house remains in ruin? God's kind of like, you know, seriously? Uh, you got time for your house, but you don't have time for my house. You've got time to build your kingdom, but you don't have time to build my kingdom. Like, this is God getting in their face through this prophet Haggai. He's not playing, is he? He's coming at them. You got these luxurious houses over here. You got this whole life that you built, but, but my house is in ruins. My house is in shambles. So you don't have the time. You have the time to build your life. You have the time to build your future. You have the time to build your, your family. You have the time to build your business. You have the time to build your life, but you don't have time to build what I actually created you and brought you out of exile to do, right? Okay, now I say that because there are places in all of our lives where in some ways we're saying the exact same thing to God. Somewhere. Nah, it's not time, God. It's not time yet. And it's not because we're short on time. It's because we've convinced ourselves that our own life is more important than building what God has asked us to build. Right? I have a three-year-old daughter named Eden Rain. She convinces herself every single night that her bed is not cozy enough. And she tells us before she goes to bed, I'm going to sleep, but I'm going to be down in about an hour. It's basically what she's saying. I'm going to be down, and I'm going to lay in your bed because my bed's not cozy enough. Now, that's not true. She's got a nice little twin bed packed with a, a mattress topper and all kinds of blankets and 50 stuffed animals. I mean, it is absolutely cozy, but she's convinced herself. And so she'll come down about an hour or two later, you know, hair everywhere, blanket, one eye open. My bed's not cozy enough. My bed's not cozy enough. And I'm like, She's convinced herself. She thinks she's convinced me, but she hadn't convinced me. I know she's lying, and she's too cute to pass up. So I'm like, okay, all right, here you go. Lay here with your mommy. I'm going over there to this, this couch or the bed, right? So I won't be woken up. But, but, the, but the truth is, we're, we're like that. We convince ourselves. We convince ourselves of our own story, and then we keep repeating it. We keep saying, it's not yet time to build God's thing. It's not time to do it God's way. It's not time to live how God's called me to live. It's not time to spend how God's called me to spend. Are you with me? Now, here's where I draw some parallels between the people that Haggai spoke to and us. Many of us are, are now coming out of exile due to, due to last year. Does anybody feel like that? Like you're coming out of, what the heck was that? What imprisonment was that? Mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, some of you health-wise, some of you with your business, some of you with your job. It was a time where everybody got put on hold and you were forced to, forced to reckon with yourself. You had to look at you. You had to deal with you. You had to look in the mirror. You had to deal with your life. Your, you either looked at it and ignored it and said, no, everything's fine. It's not time. Or... You started to deal with it. And many of us have come out of exile in that way. We're coming out of, out of exile in a way where there was so much that, that was no longer familiar, so much that was uncertain. Right? Didn't anybody feel like that last year? Like, what is next? I have no idea. <laughs> What's next? I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. Does God know? I hope he knows. 
And we're now out of that season. I know we're not out of the, completely in the nation where things are at, but for the most part, you're still sipping Starbucks before you got here this morning. So we're not exiled, but we've come out of exile. And here is a church. We've got a nation that's far from God, that's torn to shreds. People are depressed. Suicides through the roof. Confusion through the roof. Marriages busted up. People confused all over the place. Never been more chaotic. And this is the world we're supposed to just leave our, our kids. I say, well, I sure hope God's in this. I sure hope we have a mind out of exile. That way we can do something about it. I hope we're a part of the solution that's here to build again and build together so that we can see God do something great. Okay? But are you, are you saying this to yourself right now about what God has put in your life? Now is not the time. Like, I know you're here, but that doesn't really, really mean anything. Tomorrow means something, seriously. <laughs> Monday through Saturday really means something. Is, is now the time to do what God has called you to do, to live how God has called you to live, to pursue him the way he's asked you to pursue him. Not, not just give him the scraps left over. Like, I'm going to build my kingdom, build my life, and then, God, I'll give you, like, some scraps. I read a stat last week that 85% of, of millennials consider themselves generous and, gave, and give an average of $50 per calendar year towards charitable causes. But they can, I'm not picking on millennials. That's just one stat. I could go on stats about everybody. I'm just saying, this is what happens. The mentality is we think we're something, but we're not actually that. That's the scary thing about living a life, quote, for God, but not actually living it for God. You spend a life saying, now is not the time. Now is not the time. Now look at God's response to this. Uh, Haggai goes on. Uh, verse 5. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty, say, Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much. You've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else on the, that the ground produces, on people and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands." God basically says, I put an entire stop to everything that you thought you were in control of. Isn't that scary? Now, most of us think, well, Jesus would never do that to me. Really? <laughs> I'm not saying that's his ultimate goal, but at the end of the day, doesn't this sound like us where we, we come to the ends of seasons and, and things have blown away, all the work we put in, all the money we tried to save, everything, and then we have to ask ourselves, was God even a part of the picture? Did I have any interest in God, in building his house, building his kingdom, seeing through the lens that he's called me to see, or was I just simply building my own house? See, we're, we're control freaks. 
We build up with our business plan. We build up with our ideas. We, this is how our kids are going to turn out. This is how my life's going to turn out. It doesn't happen. It gets blown away, and then we're mad at God. And we didn't serve him with our whole heart in the first place with those things. We just wanted him to be in our story. Are you with me? See, God puts these people in their place because they had a mindset that I see in so many people today, which is I'm not going to build the kingdom. I'm going to build my kingdom. I'm not going to build his house. I'm going to build my house. And as long as my house is good, my paneled house is really nice, and the city's in ruins, and the nation's in ruins, and the church is in ruins, and people are in ruins, and my neighbors are in ruins, I'm good. I'm good. See, the world is calling you to give your life, your time, your energy, your devotion, and your focus to building everything that is temporal. And God is calling us to build what's eternal. That's what God's calling us to build. Okay, I told you I was going to go back to Ezra. Let's put that chart back up there. You guys good? All right. There were different restorations of God's work. Restoration under Zerubbabel. Restoration under Ezra. Restoration under Nehemiah. You can read about these things in these chapters. Ezra chapters 1 through 6 covers Zerubbabel's work. Ezra chapter 7 through 10 covers the rest of, of, of Ezra's work. And then Nehemiah, you read about him in Nehemiah. So Ezra chapter 1 through 6. We're going to go to chapter 5. I'm just going to jump in here. And as we close this out, this is going to give, give you some, some specifics. Now I'm going to round the corner here because right now we've all been kind of slapped in, in a way, right? Uh, there's hope. Trust me. All right? There's hope. Ezra chapter 5, verse 1. Then the prophet Haggai and Zechariah, remember, that's these two guys down here who came in as prophets of God. I didn't go into Zechariah, but these are two guys that God sends. Then the prophet Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Edo, prophets prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. And so Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of, it's Joshua, the son of Josedak, rose up and began to build the house of God, which is in Jerusalem, and the prophets of God were with them, helping them. Here's a boom thought for you. Haggai and Zechariah prophesied. What I mean by that is that the voice of, of the Lord in your life is a prophetic voice. If you don't understand what the prophetic is, understand it this way. The voice of the Lord in your life is a prophetic voice. It's a voice that pushes you forward. It's a voice that confirms, affirms, directs, guides. It's not a voice that condemns. It's not a voice that shatters and obliterates and places judgment. It's a voice that comes alongside by the, by the Holy Spirit as believers in Christ now. So we have the Holy Spirit, right? There isn't a temple to build. We are the temple. We are the body. This is us. And the prophetic Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, comes in and affirms. Now, how do we know this? Because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They know me and they follow me and no one can snatch them from out of my hand. See, there's a pathway to following God where you hear that prophetic voice of God and you, have, and you stop asking the question, is now the time? You just do it because you know it's God's will. You do it because it's God's purpose. You do it because God is confirming and affirming something. 
And the voice of Haggai at that time was the voice of the Lord to the people. And his prophetic voice was calling them to do God's work and to do God's will because the work had stopped. See, the work had stopped. When Pichart put it back up here, when he comes in at, at, at chapter 5 and he's encouraging them to do something, it had stopped. They came in real pumped up. They started, and then it stopped. If we go back one chapter, Ezra chapter 4. So the work on the temple of God in Jerusalem had stopped. And it remained at a standstill until the second year in the reign of King Darius of Persia. That's where we pick up in Haggai, where I started this whole message today. The work stopped. That is some people's story of their life with God. Some people's story of their Christianity. The work started, but then the work stopped, and it remained at a standstill. And for some people, the standstill is 15 years. For some people, it's 30 years. I just buried a friend a couple of years ago, a childhood friend, who always put the work on hold and at a standstill. And on his deathbed, he tells me, use my story and how I've blown my life to encourage people to not do the same. And I buried him a week later. When you put God and his work in your life on standstill, there may not be another opportunity to pick it back up. Have we not learned? I know this is heavy and this is serious, okay? But can we just think eternal for a second? We think big picture for a second and not think about God and our story, but us and God's story, what he's invited us into to, to do, to be a part of? Then when we stand before God, he's not wondering what we did and if we built our dream. We're wondering if he's wondering if we built his dream, his house. His people, if we saw the nation, we're just like, hey, man, as long as I, I've, got, I've got a ring, a doorbell, nobody will get into this house. i got an alarm. i got guns in the house. Nobody's getting into my paneled house. I'm good. we got to think bigger. See, what happens when the work comes to a standstill is often because we've compromised. And when you compromise in your calling, it sets you back. So ask yourself this. Do you fall, because the answer to this is yes. Do you fall into cycles of compromise. One more time. Do you ever fall into cycles of compromise with God? We all do. God, I'm for you. And if God is for me, who can be against me? And then we find ourselves back in the pig slop. We compromise. And then God comes in and something gets blown away out of our life. A relationship a job situation, whatever. We're shaken to the core and we wonder where God is, but we left him back 15 years ago, five years ago. Last decision, last job, last wrong relationship we shouldn't have been in. And we're like, God, where are you? He's like, I'm right here. And God will send prophetic voices to come in and affirm God's truth, God's promise, and God's hope for your life. That's what Haggai was for these people. You find yourself getting into these cycles of passion, and then discouragement, and then purpose, and then wandering. With your devotion, with your compassion, with your love, with your generosity, with your mercy, with your grace towards people, right? Anybody like on Sunday, man, I love the world. Then you get into traffic on Monday, and you're like, I hate these people. I hate them all. I hate the drivers in this city, right? Like your love's gone. <laughs> didn't take long. All right. Let me give you some hope here. Ezra chapter 5. Here's what it says. First point. 
prophet Haggai and Zechariah, son of Edo prophets, prophesied to the Jews in the name of God who was over them. So Zerubbabel and Joshua rose up. What happens? Him and the people, they rose up. That's what God is calling you to do today. He's calling you to rise up. This is what the spirit of the prophetic, the Holy Spirit is in us as believers, causes us to rise up out of deception, sin, lies, slumber, laziness, wandering, distraction, discouragement. This is why we're so encouraged when we come to church, why we're so encouraged when we read the Bible. We're so encouraged because God and his Holy Spirit causes us to rise up. This isn't Monday motivation. This is spirit motivation. God causes us to rise up, and this morning, I'm calling you to rise up. And whatever God has called you to build, to stop saying, now is not the time. Because some of you have had the length of time of the 18 years of exile to think about. Maybe it's been 18 months of COVID. Maybe it's 18 weeks. Maybe it's 18 days. But there's clarity on certain things in your life, but you keep saying, now is not the time. God's calling you to rise up. Secondly, in that same verse, it says, and then the people began. See, they rose up together, and then they began. What needs to begin from today forward? What needs to begin in this season moving forward in your life? What needs to begin in your marriage? What needs to begin in your character? What needs to begin in your commitment? Like, I'm just asking you to zero in on the thing God's showing you. Don't worry about your neighbor right now. Focus on you today. What's God calling you to rise up and to begin? It could mean the very difference in you stopping the work and staying at a standstill and you seeing God's work go forward in and through your life. Three, it says, then the people began to what? To build. The people built. Today, I'm calling you to build. I'm calling you, for some of you, to build again. And I'm calling you to build together with God's family. Build what's important to God. Enough with the now is not the time. When will be time? When will it be? I'm calling you. I'm the voice of Haggai prophetically to Grace Avenue Church. I'm the prophetic voice in your life today, and I'm calling you on behalf of God to rise up, to start doing something, to start doing what was stopped, to start building, to start building people, and to stop saying now is not the time. Okay, we're coming out of exile as a church. You're coming out of exile in your thinking and in your heart and in your actions. And we as a church, like, like Zerubbabel, like Ezra, like this story that we're a part of, we're going to respond to God and we're going to build. Amen? Amen. Now's the time. Now's the time. Here's, here's the best part of the message. If you go back to Haggai, the first chapter I started reading at the beginning of the message one of the last verses in there God says this then Haggai the Lord's messenger gave this message to the Lord of the Lord to the people I am with you declares the Lord I'm with you 
That's the best part of this whole story. It's the best part of the promise. It's the best part of building again. And the best part of building together is that God is with us. You want to make your marriage better? God is with you. If you want to stop living in sin, God is with you. If you want to reach out and do what God has called you to do, and this is a God thing, God is with you. If you want to live wholeheartedly for God and see his spirit work in you in a way that will keep you from just living a life so focused on yourself or you're just focused on starting and stopping and starting and stopping and starting and stopping, God is with you. I want to pray for the builders of this house, the builders in this house. Would you bow your heads? Saying yes to God is a sacred, sacred thing. It changes lives, it changes destinies, and it changes generations. It changes culture, it changes industries, it changes interactions, it changes communication, it changes relationships. When you say yes to God and building what he's called you to build, you're marked by God for God. Whatever it is this morning that God has called you to build, could be your family, maybe your mother wrestling with, am I supposed to just be a mom or am I supposed to do this other thing? Maybe this morning the confirmation is that it is a wonderful thing to be the mom that you're called to be and to not fight that, to not let society define for you what your life should be, but to allow God's heart in you and his passion in you to stir you towards mothering the way he's called you to mother. Whatever the dream is, whatever God has put in you, but specifically also for that thing you're called to build, that life you're called to build, this season you're called to build, this week. Would you stand up if you just want to see God say, I am with you as he builds and as you build in this next scene. Just stand up. I'm just going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for the building aspect of your life. I'm going to pray that God is with you. I'm going to pray for courage. I'm going to pray for strength. I'm going to pray that the starting and the stopping will be a thing of the past. I'm going to pray for a season of consistency in your life that you've never seen. I'm going to pray for God's grace to cover this season because his love covers a multitude of sins. Lord Jesus, bless your builders. Today they rise up in Jesus' name as the body of Christ, as people sent, created, uniquely formed and fashioned, established on this earth, in this time, in this season, for this purpose. Lord God, as they rise up and as they begin as they begin to build, Lord God, meet them with grace and provision and purpose. Lord God, open the windows of heaven over the thing that you've established in their life, over the thing you've called them to do, how you've called them to connect. Lord, I just blow the fire of God 
the purpose of God, we fan the flame over their lives, over the words that they speak, over the connections that they make to move the kingdom of God forward. Lord God, for those who are even questioning right now, Lord God, is that you? Lord, meet them where they're at right now in Jesus' name. Builders will build again. Not isolated, we'll build together the plan of God, the kingdom of God, the purpose of God, the work of God on this earth. This is a holy moment for some of you because it's a turning away from what was out of exile and setting your face towards building what God has put in you and what he's created you for. This morning, I pray that the doubts would cease. That the self-deprecation would cease. That the self-hatred would cease. That the inadequacy would cease. That the insecurity would cease. And that the work would begin. Thank you, Lord, for the builders of this church. Thank you for the builders in this house. Thank you for the builders of people in Grace Avenue Church. Thank you for the builders, not just the attenders, Lord, the builders that make things change in this church, in people's lives, and in city. Thank you for the builders. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church, or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.